0: Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that is coming to us. Thank you for insight. Thank you for enabling us to understand. Pray for understanding that God should open your eyes to see the word and to understand it. That each time we come to God's word, we receive impartation in his word. That we receive Clarity. That you receive clarity in the word. That your heart is filled with understanding. Father, we thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes. That we understand, we comprehend, and we have the ability to apply the truth of your word. Father, I pray, Lord, that even as your word comes, that he's perfecting his work in our lives. As many as came into this place with issues in their lives, Father, I pray that by the entrance of your word, that every need will be met in Jesus' name. I pray for as many as have burdens in their hearts concerning life issues. Father, I pray, O oh Lord, for solution. That nobody will leave this place the same in the name of Jesus. In our families, Father, I pray for visitation. That you visit our homes and perfect everything in our homes. Visit our finances and perfect everything in our finances visit oh lord our homes marriages and families fathers and mothers and perfect your will in our lives in the name of jesus father i pray for as many as are here in our nations all the nations represented here i pray that you visit our nations and perfect your counsel in our nations in the name of jesus father for those that are seeking for direction leading i pray that may your voice be amplified unto them in the name of jesus That they have the ability to comprehend your ways. They are able to hear and understand your leading part time, per season. That they know what to do. We know what to do at every point in time in the name of Jesus. That we are not confused people. We receive direction in the name of Jesus. And I pray for whoever here is sick in the body. I ask oh Lord that may your healing be perfected in the name of Jesus. I curse every sickness. And I decree healing come in the name of Jesus. Oh, as many as I yearning for the world that is able to help them grow in their salvation, Father, I decree that their needs are met in the name of Jesus. Their expectation, the expectation of the righteous cannot be cut short. Therefore, I decree that every of our expectations are met in you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So I just want to quickly remind us... Because I think we need to be doing this... From time to time to remind us of... You know... The core values... That we have here as a church. We are not an entertainment center. First and foremost... Hallelujah. So we have so much entertainment to entertain you in your homes. You have social media, TikTok, and all those stuff to entertain you in a lot of them. So we can't come here and then repeat the same thing that you have in your homes here. The goal of you being here is that your spirit man will be filled and, and, and trained, that you realize your real self, which is a spirit man. And so we are very deliberate of the things we do here. If you are, in case you are new here and your first time of being in the church here, the word of God is primary here. We teach the word of God. Secondly, we worship. Hallelujah. And then we pray. So whenever you are coming to church, be prepared that you are going to worship. Be prepared that you are going to pray. Also prepare that you are going to listen to the word. And as well, we have evangelism as one of the cardinal programs, cardinal values, co-values as a church. We expect that as you come to church and you are trained in your own corners, you should be able to preach the gospel. The essence of coming to church on a Sunday like this is to equip you with knowledge, with all that it takes for you to go out and be an evangelist for Christ. We believe that every believer is called to preach the gospel. So the challenge I want to give you is in a week at least minister Christ to one soul in a week. Hallelujah. And if you've not done that in the course of the weeks, it means that you are failing your responsibility as a believer. It means that you are failing in your responsibility as a Christian. So we don't need to come and gather you and say, okay, let's pay two by two and go for evangelism. No. It must not always be this way. But then there is expectation of you as a believer. What God is expecting you to do is to preach the gospel. Is to preach the gospel. That you must learn how to do and you must be eager. The reason why many times we don't find ourselves doing it is because we don't expect to do it. We are not prepared to do it. We are not looking for opportunity to do it. So even when opportunities avail themselves, we are not prepared to do it. So I want to provoke you Right? To that responsibility. Don't be breaking God's heart. Hallelujah. You know, God's love language is for a soul to come to the knowledge of what? Of Him. The Bible says that the heaven rejoices when one soul is, 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 is one for God. Hallelujah. So please, as you come to church, be prepared. Don't come as though they force you to be here some people they say pray you are not praying that does not begin to threaten your life if you don't pray I think we will be singing some some songs that will be threatening people bishop sir if you don't pray I didn't say that part (laughs) what you see is what you get if you don't pray but you have to pray, hallelujah. The motivation of the prayer should not be Satan. But prayer is... See, the reason why you are struggling to pray here is because you don't pray in your, in your house. There's no way you'll be praying in your secret place and you come here in a corporate environment and you are struggling to pray. What you do here is that you gather, you are fired up here to go and then burn in your secret place. All the words we are teaching you, how it will become effective in your life, is in the place of prayer. When you you receive the word, you go back, you pray the word into reality in your life. Until it becomes flesh, until you begin to see yourself manifest the word. And it's by prayer. So don't be... See, the teachings we are teaching you, they are ingredients for Prayers. Imagine going to market every day. You are buying ingredients and you are not cooking. That's what you are doing. And you will be deficient. You will be dying of hunger. But you have all it takes for you to to feed your spirit man. And it's by praying. Hallelujah. And as you pray, you are engineered, you are empowered to do what to share. There is no Christian that is a praying Christian that will not be You know, carried away by the burden of sharing the gospel. In the place of prayer, you catch up the burden of God. You know the heart of God. Hallelujah. So please, as you come into church, know that you are here to be stirred up, to be encouraged, to be taught, and then to be prepared for that which God will want you to do. Amen. So, let's continue from where we've been. I know that it's been a tough Months for us in the world. Yeah. You know, the way some people have been bombarding me with questions, this, this. They can just wake up and decide to just text me questions. It's good. It means that you're following. And we, we want you to ask questions. Don't just take anything like that and run with it. What we do here is that we want you to, 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 to be to, to be trained to question things in the right way. Hallelujah. You know, back where we are coming from, some of us, we don't ask questions. The moment you ask questions, you are rebelling. No. We expect that as you learn, question everything you are taught. Not in a negative way, but the question must be with a desire to learn and to grow. So we are not here to indoctrinate you because that's how terrorists are, are formed. You don't ask questions, you just do. Whatever they say, you do. You become a dumb person with your degrees, with your PhDs, with your masters. You just obey like... Like sheep? Like what? Like a robot. Yeah. Let me use the word robot because the Bible gives dignity to sheep. You just obey like a robot. I saw a video on social media. The robot was walking... The robot fell like down. He was tired. <laughs> so our goal is not that you just be without. See the Holy Spirit doesn't suspend your, your brain. Are we together? So when you are questioning things you are not living in lack of faith. Amen? Everything spirit, spirit, you receive spirit, spirit is not foolishness. If, if God didn't want you to use your brain, He wouldn't have given you. So the scripture must be must be examined with your mind in, 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 your mind must be involved in what? In the scriptures. Your mind cannot be suspended in the learning of the scriptures. So we believe you, we trust you to, we, we, we trust in your, your mind. We, we believe that your mind is working. Hallelujah. we we, we can't insult you by saying you should suspend your brains and your minds and just believe in us like that, no question everything we teach you by going back to study to see if it's true if you have questions you bring it and we reason together, that's how we grow hallelujah so please I want to encourage you to ask questions you have your pastors and your leaders around and I trust that We will be empowered to answer all your questions with the help of God in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're talking about the issue of losing salvation. Can someone lose his salvation? And we established from last week, fundamentally, some scriptures that helps us to affirm the idea that our salvation is a permanent project. That God has promised and God is faithful in his promise to fulfill, you know, the promise of keeping us in him. We try by starting from the point of logic, using our minds. And then we ask some questions, you know, in course of asking questions, we're able to answer logically. But don't just remain in a logical sphere. Why should there be joy in heaven? That was what, why we asked last week over a sinner who repented. If his salvation is not final, heaven should have just waited. Heaven at last, when everybody have gathered. Then they will now see the people that have now passed like an exam. Then the rejoicing will start. But the Bible says that heaven rejoices when you win a soul. Heaven is excited. It's a celebration in heaven. And we said, why is salvation referred to as the rest if it is not something that is final? In the book of Hebrews, you see where oftentimes, you know, there's a, an idea of a Sabbath rest that is explained in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, are you able to navigate faster? All right, help me, right? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. Hebrews 4, verse 3 to 4. Says, for we have believed, we who rather, we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse three, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Let me see verse 5. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. And if you can read through the entire book, you see how rest is explained as the salvation. Are we together? So why will it be a rest if you have not really entered the rest? I mean, then we have to question. So, And I asked another question. I said, can you be unborn by your biological mother? Maybe they give birth to you and then your mom is not in good terms with you. I will unborn you. And then you return back to her womb. Then she chooses whether she can give birth to you again or not. Is it possible in the physical? Hallelujah. So, and then we also ask, can you be born again twice? Because it seems to me that when you when you are born again, you sin, then you become unborn again. I don't know whether the language is correct. Then you confess or you or you repent, then you become born again, again. And I think there's a challenge in in I mean so. It's, it's not logic. It's not sound. It's not even making sense in the logical level. Hallelujah. So, how do we experience salvation? It's fundamental for us to understand the concept of eternal security. Now, salvation is not a product of what you've done. I said last week that salvation is not something tangible, physical, like this control, that you, you can lose it. You can misplace it. Oh, where is my salvation? Where did I drop it? Hallelujah. Salvation is a person. It's Christ. So, we become born again by faith. I heard that somebody was asking in a cell meeting, one of the cells, because we used to make review. We were asking, what does it mean to believe? That's a very intelligent question. It may look very basic. But let me tell you. If you don't know how to believe. What to believe. Then there will be a challenge with your salvation. What you believe is very important. In knowing whether you've, 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 you've really, really. You are born again. Hallelujah. So it's by faith. And right now on your seat. If you are not born again. You can believe. And it is sealed. And you are born again. Eternally. You know the idea is so simplified it's so cheap that people don't don't even believe in it you know man wants to want something that he can contribute man has this desire to let me let me add up to let me let me at least let me do something to be, to just believe. I mean, it's, how can you just say I just believe someone died some two thousand years ago, and then I just believe, and then I'm eternally forgiving without doing anything, without paying anything, without fasting, without praying, without paying my tithes and my offerings, without, you know, confessing. You are born again not because you confess. You are born again because you what because you believe hallelujah what you confess is not your sins but what you confess is what jesus christ hallelujah so romans chapter 6 verse 13 explain that to us quickly romans 13 10 verse 6 to 13 romans 10 6 to 13 yes but the righteousness of faith speaks this way do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Verse 7. Or oh, who will descend into the abyss? That, that is to bring Christ up from death. But what does it say? The word is near you. That means that it is not complicated to be born again. Hallelujah. The word is what is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth your sins, you confess how you fornicated, confess how you have stolen, confess how you have cheated and done so many things. Is that what is there? If you confess with your mouth what? The Lord Jesus. And what? And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? You will be saved. Hallelujah. The next verse. For with the heart, one does what? One believes unto righteousness. So when you believe, you are righteous. You are classified righteous. Righteous means that you are without sin. You are justified. You are made righteous before God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. The confession here is confessing Christ. Hallelujah. For the scripture says whoever believes on him will not be what? Will never be put to shame. Verse 12. For there is no distinction between a Jew and a Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich in all who call upon him. For whoever call upon the name of the Lord shall what? Shall be saved. Hallelujah. So that is how we come to faith. That is how we are born again. Ephesians chapter two verse one to nine. Ephesians two verse one to nine talks about our works. Ephesians two verse one to nine. And you, that is us, that are born again. Hallelujah! He made alive. Not that he is making, but he has already made you alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. That is, the, that is the address of many of us before. I would say all of us. Hallelujah. But he made us alive in which you once walked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the of the power of the air, the spirit who walks now in the sons of who? Of disobedience. So anybody that is not born again has a spirit in him. And anyone who is born again has a spirit in him as well. Depending on which spirit is working at you, in you. Some people are baptized in the spirit of disobedience. And what controls and directs their life is disobedience. They are inventive in their disobedience. They are very creative and innovative in disobedience. Because they are motivated by a spirit. And that spirit is a spirit that lives in the sons of disobedience. Among whom all of us were once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. And we are by nature. This was our nature. Children of wrath. Just as others. But God. Hallelujah. Say but God. This is a game changer. Amen. But God. Not me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the conqueror. But God. Who is what? Who is rich? Pastor Carson was talking about the richness of God's mercy. His mercy, the Bible says, let me describe it in the Old Testament. It says that his mercy is new every morning. Which means that by 12.00, the mercy for the following day has expired. And new, fresh mercy has been what delivered. For our benefit. Think of it that way. So, he is so rich. That means you cannot exhaust his mercy. Hallelujah. You cannot exhaust. You cannot over sin to the point that the mercy of God will, God will say, I have tried for you. So, there is nothing I can do again. So, God is so rich in mercy because of his word. Because of his great love with which he had loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with him, with Christ, by grace you have what? The previous verse, yes. By grace you have been saved, by grace, not by any works, but by grace. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, that is where we are talking about setting our minds on the things of the Spirit we Are just laying foundation all these weeks. We've not even started talking about what is there in the heavenly place where we are to set our minds. All these weeks is just we're just laying foundation because if this foundation is not laid, when we begin to talk about heavenly things, you'll be, you'll be seen conscious. You'll be thinking, but I maybe my salvation was withdrawn yesterday. How can I think of the heavenly things? Hallelujah. Or maybe you'll be thinking, but I'm suffering from one generational sin. You know, my dad committed a sin. And then that sin is, is hanging on our neck in our family. Hallelujah. So, it's necessary that all these foundations be cleared. So, when we begin to talk about the heavenly things that we have to set our minds on. We will not be setting our minds on things that are below. That we've been, that has been conquered for us. Hallelujah. So, in Christ Jesus... That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is what? Amen. It is what? It is a gift. Amen. It is a gift. So something that is a gift will mean that you don't work for it. Hallelujah. It's a gift free. Verse 9 the last verse. Not of works so that we will not be busting. Don't think that you are born again because you are because you are a nice person. You're the most nicest person without Christ it's is a temple of of evil spirit. Is possessed by the evil spirit. That's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. So when the believer is born again, we say that he is sealed eternally with the spirit of God. You can read that scripture. So when you become born again, there's a seal of God on you that is permanent. The very God himself lives in you and you are his permanent resident. Hallelujah. You are the permanent resident of God. The believer has come into eternal union with him. The union we have with the Father is an eternal union. You want to be smart, but... Give me 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. It says, but he who is joined to the Lord is what? is one spirit with him. Amen. Now, there's a difference between the spirit of man and the spirit of God. Hallelujah. Man is a spirit that has a soul, right, that lives in a physical body. That is you. Hallelujah. So what makes you able to live on the earth realm is a physical body. So the moment this body which we are begging you eat properly sleep well drink water right do exercise take care of the physical body so that you will be legal on earth that's the reason because the moment this body dies you become illegal if I, even the person that loves you will be scared of touching you <laughs> hallelujah you become that thing, not he any longer. The corpse becomes that thing, the, the cops, right? You are no longer you because the real you has gone to where he came from. Hallelujah. So, but when you are born again, your spirit comes into an eternal union with the spirit of God. The union that cannot be separated. Just like two bottles of water joined together. I don't know what mechanism you use in separating this water. So you come into this eternal union with the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. They amplified if you have. Oh Lord. Therefore... If any person is engrafted, this is an agricultural language, is engrafted. Many of us, maybe we will dodge these courses in our high school. We did grafting. Two different plants joined together. Do they produce two different fruits? They produce a hybrid. Hallelujah. So, if any man, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is what? He is a new creation. A new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has what? Has died. Behold. The fresh and new is come. That is your reality. Because you are engrafted. So the result of the new is because of being engrafted with him. Hallelujah. Quickly. Galatians 3.27 Galatians 3.27 Galatians 3.27 For as many of you as were baptized into Christ into a spiritual union and what? And koinonia with Christ. The anointed one, the Messiah, Have put on clothed with, with Christ. You've come into a place of union and fellowship that is eternal with him. Hallelujah. And that, is, that has always been the desire of God from the beginning. That man, that divinity and humanity will be in union. That is the plan and the purpose of God. Hallelujah. So, the believer has come or has, has been conformed into the image of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know, we don't need to read this one. We know the scripture. You know. Please I'm walking next slide. Yeah. so we went into scriptural reasoning, the believer, the assurance of the believer's eternal salvation. Now the believer has received eternal life already. We established that when you become born again, what you receive is a life that is eternal. the life of the spirit in you that you receive is eternal. First John 5:13 quickly. First John 5:17. First John 5, 13. Sorry. First John 5, 13. 13. I write these things to you. Who what? Who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the name of the Son of God in the peculiar service and blessings conferred by him on men so that you may know with what? With settled and absolute knowledge that you... Already what have life, yes, temporal life, eternal life. Hallelujah. So when you believe, what happens is that you've already have eternal life? Quickly, the believer cannot on cannot come under the judgment of God. John chapter 5, verse 24. The believer cannot come under judgment. John 5. John chapter 5, verse 24. I assure you most solemnly, please give me King James so that the reading will be small. Yes, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has what? Has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has what? Has passed from death to life. Hallelujah. So the believer has what has eternal life, and he will not come under judgment. God has the power to keep the believer. You know, it's it's funny that we come to church, we sing, "God is able to do what He says He will do. He's gonna fulfill repro promise to." He is able. Mm-hmm. Ah, he able. We sing, we jump, we dance. Then we say, ah, I think I've lost my salvation. You're compromising what you're singing. You're saying that God is able to do all that he said he would do. And then you are not, I'm just wondering how heaven will be looking at us. I mean what you say is different from your profession and what you what you're acting hallelujah so god has what god has the power to keep god has the capacity to to keep the believer john chapter 10 verse 28 john 28 10 28 30 john 10 28 yes and i give them life and they shall never perish Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. That snatch, I was looking at the Greek word. The way the Greek explains it. They explain it as to forcefully snatch, forcefully take you away from him. Nobody, neither shall anyone, right? And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Who is talking here is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In your Bible, if your Bible is original, you see that it is written in red. So I'm just... All Bibles are original. But I love the Bible in red. So that you know that this is Jesus speaking. Are we together? That's a joke. Don't say your Bible is fake. So, neither shall anyone, those words, snatch them out of my hand. The next verse quickly. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And then he said, I and the father are what? I won. The next verse. I and the Father. What? I won when union, when agreement, we've come to a place that we've agreed that nobody can snatch you away from, 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 from my hand. Hallelujah. So God has the power to keep. So Jude, Jude, one twenty four. We we read this earlier last week. Jude, one twenty four. Quickly. Now to him who is able to keep you from what from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with what? with small joy with exceeding joy that means that God is Jesus is is so, so eager to present you he's able to keep you to the very end hallelujah he has the capacity to do that amen bless Jesus now the will of God is never to lose you tell this yourself the will of God is never to lose me the will of God is never to lose me John chapter 6 verse 37 to 40 all the father gives me will what? Will come to me. And the one who comes to me. I will by what? I will by no means cast out. For I have come. Down from heaven. Not to do my own will. But the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the father. Who sent me. That all he has given me. I should what? Lose some. Nothing. Isn't it? But should raise it up at the way, the last day. So there's an assurance here that God will raise you up at the last day, even if you sleep. Hallelujah. So it is the will of God that that nobody perish, that none of us come to condemnation, particularly we who have come to test of the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. And then God has prayed for you. Jesus has prayed for you. John chapter 17. See, We must read this John 17. Imagine Jesus praying for you and then the prayer didn't work. What hope again do you have? If Jesus will pray for you and then God will not answer Jesus' prayer. Then what hope are we? John chapter 17. Let's look at Jesus' prayer for us. I'm saying for us because the prayer covers us. Amen. I will read this so fast. Jesus spoke these words. Lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ. Whom you have sent. Verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work. Which you have given me to do. And now O oh God. Oh Father. Rather, glorify me together with yourself. With the glory with which. I had with you. Before the, the world was. Verse 6. I have manifested your name to, these, to, the, to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given, them to, given to them the words which you have given me and they have what received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Verse 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world but for, for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. And all mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I have come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. What did you see in that prayer? That God might do what? Might keep. That's a priestly prayer. In fact, this is a lost prayer. This is actually the lost prayer. That prayer you saw that uh, our father who uh, is not the lost prayer this is a lost prayer hallelujah that prayer is not the lost prayer today I'm showing you the lost prayer if you want to memorize memorize the lost prayer memorize this one hallelujah so and all mine are yours and yours are mine and then verse verse 12 right While I was with them in the world, I kept them in in your name. Those whom you've given me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Sila. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy. That my. What am I reading? That they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from what? From the evil one. They are not of the world but I am not just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world, and for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now, this is where we come into the picture of this prayer. You could say, "Oh, that prayer was praying for his disciples and his apostles." Contextually, you know, we've been teaching you read the Bible with context, so you can say, "Oh, that one is talking about the apostles and the believers." Now, this is where we today come in. I do not pray for these alone, Amen. That is for the apostles alone. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. Do you believe in Christ through the words of the apostles? So this prayer involves you as well. Hallelujah. That they also may be one as you, Father, are in me... And I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. And have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me. May be with me where I am. Look at the desire of Christ. That they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. All righteous father. The world has not known you. But I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name. And will declare it. And the love with which you loved me. May be in them. And I in them. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus has prayed for you. So how will this prayer now be unanswered? How will this prayer now be unanswered? (laughs) Hallelujah. So, can we move ahead now? What about those Bible verses that says the believer can lose his salvation? This is where there is what we call gargada. it's not a Greek word this way uh friction because there are some scriptures that seem to say that one can lose his salvation and if you read them at face value it's true are we together should we look at some of them should we explain some of them Now, let's look at the the star scripture that some people use. Philippians 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. You may lose your salvation if you don't walk. Hallelujah. Now, this verse says what walk out, not walk for. There's a difference between walk out and what and walk for. You walk out what is in you, not walk for. So if you read the scripture this way, it means that you are reading it. You're not reading it properly. Common English language. It's not even RHEMA we're talking about here. You need at English level, as English level, you understand that that's not what the scripture is saying. Hallelujah. So the NLT puts is very clear. It says, dear friends, you also follow my instruction when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Walk out to show what? This is what I walk out. The Walk out to your salvation. It says, walk hard to show the result of your salvation. Which means that you are already saved. So when you are walking, you are showing forth the result of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. That fear and trembling is, is, is what is reverence and fear. There are two kinds of fear in scriptures. There is a tyrannic fear and there is a reverential fear. And God does not want us to come to him with a fear of terror. But a fear of reverence. That is born out of love. Pastor Chidi is afraid of offending his wife. Not because she has the power to, to crush him. But because he loves her. Hallelujah. So we come to God with a fear that is birthed out of love and reverence. One for, uh, for God rather. For God. Hallelujah. So this is what the scriptures means. So this scripture isn't a scripture for losing salvation. Do we agree? If you don't agree, pray. And study. Hallelujah. Another one. Okay, verse 13. The Father explains, for God is walking in you. Right? It is God that is doing the work. So if God is the one doing the work, how can you be afraid of losing what God is doing? Hallelujah. For God is working in you, giving you the desire. Do you know the desire to please God is coming from God himself? So you don't have the capacity even desire to please God. But the desire is God that is putting it in you. And the what? The dynamism, miss Right? The power, the ability to to do what pleases Him. So depend on Him completely. That's what it means. It is Jesus Christ that has worked for your salvation. He is still the one working in, in you, maintaining and keeping the salvation. Therefore, your actions does not guarantee your salvation, but only expresses the works of Christ in you. Your actions and inactions does not, have, does not guarantee your salvation but only expresses what, what Christ is, is doing or has done in you. Hallelujah. Another key scripture. This one is also one of the top scriptures. I said I explained it last week. I am the true vine. Now, what I mean is that this scripture is one of the scriptures that people caught to say that someone can lose his salvation. We are trying to look at them The way they are. I am the true vine and my father is a gardener. It's a parable. By the way. God is not a gardener. Hello. So he's using a a mode of communication. Right? He's using a figure of speech. To explain. To pass a message. So I am the true vine. And my father is a gardener. That is God. He cuts off every branch. I underline in me deliberately. Every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch. Hallelujah. Now this is verse 6 that is the the bone of contention that expresses that you can lose your salvation. Seemingly. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and with us. Such branches are picked up and thrown into hellfire and burn. So you have to remain in him even though you lose your salvation. Hallelujah. Can we pray that we remain in him so that we don't lose our salvation? <laughs> I've used it to pray. I'm telling you, I've used this verse to pray. Oh Lord, I must remain in you. But there's a hellfire down there that I want to avoid. Now, verse 2 says every branch in me that beareth not fruit he take it away and every branch that beareth fruit he purge that it may bear fruit now every branch in me what does it imply? it implies that that person is in christ and a believer that branch that does not bear fruit is where is in me which means that the person is who is in christ isn't it now take it away is from the greek word Iro, which means to lift up. It means to what? To lift up. For some of you that have done agriculture, you know how they used to... You've seen it even in Cyprus here. They put a, a, a stick to lift up a branch so that they can get sunlight, so they can get nutrients, fresh air, that it could be fruitful. So what he does is that say, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, what does he do? He takes it up. So this can be read as every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he lifts up and every branch that beareth fruit, what does he do? He purges it. So in your fruitfulness, he purges you so that you bear more fruits. And if you are in him and you bear no fruit, what does he do? He helps you so that you can bear fruit. Does that make sense? Now, verse 16. Verse 6 rather. If a man abide not in me, Which means that this is a different person he's talking about. It's not the same person from verse 1 to verse 5. Verse 1 to verse 5 is talking about one that is already in him. Verse 6 says if a man abide not in me he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are born. This will refer to an unbeliever who is never in him and cannot abide in him. Hallelujah. Do you understand the parable? So, this text for sure cannot be talking about you losing your salvation. Hallelujah. There's another one here. This one is the one that I pray that God will help us to understand properly. Hebrews 6, verse 48. For it is impossible. Say it is impossible. Say it is impossible. It is impossible for those who are once enlightened. And have tested the heavenly gifts. And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. And have tested the good works of God. The power of the edge to come. If they fall away. Help me bring it back. They are falling away. Hallelujah. To renew them again to repentance. Since they crucified Christ for themselves the Son of God, and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain and the oven comes upon it, and the bears harps useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and brass, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be what? Is to be burned. Hallelujah. So if you read it like this, then it could suggest to you that you are enlightened if you will fall away and then the translation or the interpretation most of times time is that ah, the believer has the capacity to fall away now carefully by the help of the Holy Spirit let's look at what this, what this verse is meaning let's go to the context from verse 1 very important from verse 1 so let us not stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us not go, let us go instead and become mature in our understanding. That is from verse 1 of that same chapter. Surely we do not need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing of our faith in God. So the writer is writing admonishing the believers to move to perfection after they have been saved moving on to maturity which is understanding the salvation they already what they already have so let's read verse four give me verse four verse four of that same yes That's in Hebrews. No, no. Six. says it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tested the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Once enlightened. Now let's go to the slide. Once in verse 4 from the, is from the Greek word which means once and what? And for all. Hallelujah. Now verse 6, use if they, carefully. If they are not when. This is a conditional statement. Are we together? It's a conditional statement. Now we can question the thoughts in verse 6. What does verse 6 says? What does verse 6 says? Verse 6 says, If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and put him to an open shame. So, the question is, is there a possibility for Christ, the Christ to be crucified again for a second time? Is there a possibility for the Christ to be crucified for the second time? So, ah, Oh my God, help me again. Think of it. Is it possible for the Christ to be crucified again? If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves since they crucify again for themselves the son of God and put him to an open shame then we ask can Christ be crucified the second time if we are to interpret literally what that verse said the way it is it is not it's not possible for Christ to be crucified the second time isn't it then the believer cannot lose his salvation that's not what that verse is saying. Look at the Hebrews chapter 10. Give me Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12. Let's establish the fact that Christ has done it once and for all. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. Right hand of God. Which means that the work of salvation is done once and is established and forever. Hallelujah. So there's no any possibility for the believer to for Christ to be crucified a second time. So that verse cannot be seen. Are we together? That the believer is crucifying Christ a second time. Let me just calm down so that that will enter. It will mean that the believer cannot crucify Christ the second time. So from verse 4. Will mean will mean rather that it is impossible for those that were once and for all enlightened, tested of the heavenly gifts, made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and on and on. It is impossible for them to fall away because that will infer that they are crucifying the Son of God afresh, which is impossible. Did you understand what I just did here? Who did it? <laughs> I thought it's a class. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Do you understand how I interpreted that verse? Okay. Let me go back again. Actually, this is the most difficult verse on this topic. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and put him to an open shame, and we see it that Christ cannot be crucified a second time. So this is a figure, this this is a mode of communication. Are we together? He's not saying that they, will, that they will crucify Christ a second time because it is impossible. Because Christ has died once and for all. Are we together? So, rightly explaining that would be that it is impossible for them to fall away because that will infer that they are crucifying the Son of God afresh, which is impossible. Then in verse 9, he said, We are persuaded of him of the better things of you. Further, explaining the position of the believer in Christ. Now, this passage is actually a defense for eternal security. Hallelujah. This passage is actually a defense for eternal security of the believer in Christ rather than explain that the believer can lose his salvation. Amen. It's hard, right? Should I stop here? Are you, falling, are you going to walk away? Read this. Meditate on it. Pray about it. If you have questions, come around and let's see how we can deal with it. Hallelujah. Another scripture. For if we sin willfully, ha, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fear indignation which will devour, devour the adversaries. So this scripture says if you sin willfully, you, you will lose your salvation. This is another scripture that seems to speak that you will lose your salvation. But is it is this what the scripture is saying? Contextually is this what the scripture is saying? We can Take context from verse 19. Please give me from verse 19 of uh, Hebrews 10 verse 19. Hebrews 10 verse 19. From verse 19 we we'll read to understand the communication here. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest Am I reading the right passage? Yes, Hebrews 10 from verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering. For he who promises is faithful. He who promises what? Is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking coming to church every time. As it is the manner of some of you in this church today. But exhorting one another. And so much the more. And as you see the day is approaching. The next verse. For if we sin willfully, this is where we come to play. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fear and indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of what? Of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be will be thought worthy? Who has trampled? Listen, that's the continuation. That's the verses after those verses. Who has what? Who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Post. Can you trample the Son of God under your feet? Do you have the ability to see the head of Jesus Christ and match it literally? So that's not what is literally meaning, isn't it? It means that there's a mode of language is used to explain a truth. Are we together? So, brother, help me. Okay. Yeah. 30, 29, 29, verse 29. 29, yes. 29. Of how much was punishment do you suppose he. he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. Verse 30. For we know him who said vengeance is mine I will repay as the Lord. And again the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31 the last verse. It is a fearful thing to do what? To fall in the hands of the living God. Hallelujah. So sinning willfully will means what? Rejecting the gospel. Because we saw previously, right? Someone that will willfully have heard the gospel, knows the truth and then rejected it. That's what the communication here is. Verse 29 fully explains trampling the Son of God. Which means insulting the spirit of, of grace. That is rejecting the message about Jesus Christ and all that he has done. These verses are not a discussion on how a Christian loses salvation, but rather referring to someone who have heard the gospel, but willfully chooses to live in unbelief. Hallelujah! So this verse is not communicating a, a, a fact that the believer, you know, will willfully reject what you've already believed, and establishing another scripture. Is it the last one? Yes, the last one. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they again entangle in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it will have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a duck. Returns to his own vomit and is so having washed to a wallowing in the man. That means a dog returning to his vomit. And so when we read this one, face from verse 20, it could mean that a believer can lose his salvation if you don't study the verses very well. Hallelujah. But what is this passage saying? First of all, the passage is not addressing believers but false prophets and teachers. So when we take the context from verse 1 to 3. Are you able to give me from verse 1 to 3? Give me that passage from verse 1 to 3. We will discover what he was talking about from the beginning. He's not even The believer is not even in the picture in this chapter. Come The whole chapter. But there, but there were also false prophets among the people. Even as there will be false teachers among you. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Even denying the Lord who brought them, who bought them, you see, and bring on themselves swift destruction because of that unbelief and teaching the, of, of, of a message contrary to the truth. And many will follow their destructive ways because of because of whom the way of because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Hallelujah. Verse three from here. Verse three. Lastly, by covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idled, and their destruction does not slumber. Hallelujah! So, who is he talking about here? False prophets and teachers. Now, you can read up to that verse, down to that verse, right? You see. So, verse twenty-two uses a proverb mentioning dogs. I'm deliberate here. There is never a time in any way in the Bible that a believer is addressed as a dog. Are we together? The believer is never even by mistake referred to as a dog in the scriptures. Dog is consistently referred to as to an unbeliever. We can take context from Philippians chapter 3 verse 1 to 2. Let's, let's look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 1 to 2 where Paul was even making reference. Not even Peter. Where Paul is making reference. He said, finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same thing to you is not tedious but for you it is safe. Beware of what? Of dogs. It's familiar, right? Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Verse 3. For we are the circumcision. That is who we are. We are not dogs. For we are the circumcision. We worship God in spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. And have no confidence in the flesh. So often when you see the word dogs, it's not referring to believers. So how can there be a proverb referring to <coughs> but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a soul having washed to a wallowing in the mare. This definitely cannot be referring to the believer. Hallelujah. So definitely as I said it's talking about what is addressing false prophets and teachers. So reading verse 20 in the context of this explanation I've done. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter and is worse with them than the beginning. This means that they have been presented the gospel. They know it. They know the truth. They are not in ignorance of the truth. They know the truth. And they intentionally reject the truth, the gospel, and choose to practice and teach otherwise. Hallelujah. So, verse 21. For it has been better for them to have to have known to have it is better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. It is better they have never heard the gospel they will have still been innocent and not guilty of sin which is unbelief knowing the truth the way of righteousness does not necessarily mean accepting and believing in the truth hallelujah because demons know the truth about jesus christ do they believe in him as the savior or serve and worship him as a savior no they don't so this passage cannot in any way be referring to what the believer losing his salvation Hallelujah. There are many other scriptures that if we begin to take them one after the other, we'll dismantle, we we'll explain them in their contexts, and you we'll discover that it's not possible for you to lose your salvation. Hallelujah. So there are over 150 scriptures in, in the Bible verses that affirms that your salvation is eternal. Over 150. Hallelujah. Finally, and I am certain Philippians 1 verse 6 that God, hallelujah. Let's read this together. Let's read this together. One to go. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Hallelujah. Can you just express thanksgiving to God? Say, Father, I thank you for this truth. Thank you for this journey into the truth. Thank you for this revelation of your truth. Thank you that I am eternally saved. Oh, thank you for saving me eternally. Thank you for eternal salvation.